Thank you guys for um, thank you for allowing God to do what He did this morning and during worship, and that takes up sometimes it takes up a little bit of time. So um, I'm aware, I'm conscious of the time, so I'll try and keep it really on point today, so we're not out of here too late. Um, which is good. It's a good thing. While I'm getting organised, who's got a gold coin that they can lend me, give me? Go. Awesome. All right. Seeing someone's, seeing someone's nice and generous to me a gold coin, what if we actually 100 times that? Who's got a green note to give me? Oh, man, I thought I was on a roll then, eh? Like, seriously. You will get this back at the end, Fiona. That's really random. Can you hear it? That's buzzing, and it's like, to, to a beat, so someone's got their phone ringing, I reckon. Someone's going to shout pizza because it's coming through the PA. <laughs> awesome. Um, so just, I suppose, to introduce, um, tell you some of the story, why I'm sharing what I'm sharing today. Uh, Sunday, Monday, I was doing some thinking and some praying, and that is real annoying. Um, some thinking and some praying, and I, and I thought I was heading one way with the message for today, and so I messaged um, Pete and I said, Pete, actually, uh, sorry, I'll go back one more step. I messaged Pastor Rodney and said, Rodney, um, there's a song I'd like to really do today. It's not part of our, our lit song list yet, but if, if you're happy with it, I want to do it as an item at the end. And he's like, yep, go for it. So I um, text Pete and I said, hey, Pete, can you do that song, um, Spirit Break Out? And he's like, yes, Pastor, no problem. And I was like, awesome. So we were all organized and then... Um, and by the way, who enjoyed the song this morning? It was good, wasn't it? And Talati stepped up and did a great job share, uh, singing this morning. So she's out the back. She can't hear us, but um, make sure you go up and encourage her today because um, I, think, I think she's starting to really grow as she sings, isn't she, Pete? And Pete's doing a great job, and the music team are doing a great job getting behind these young people as they, they want to explore their gifts and talents. So anyway, so long story short, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I really want to go this way, and then... Wednesday night come around and I had a few things written down and and then we started to read Ephesians here at our young adults and um, some of what I was thinking started to sort of come out at at Wednesday night and I'm like it came out eh, a little bit (laughs) and we're having this conversation and 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 then and then afterwards I stopped and talked to a few others and then I'm like wow hang on a minute maybe this is just a little bit too far like maybe I'm talking a little bit above people's thinking at the moment so i had a bit of a thought through it and uh had a chat with a couple of people and so who knows that sometimes god's speaking to you at a personal level to challenge you and grow you and and cause you to grow and then there's there's things that he wants to share through you to other people and often they can be slightly different we, we know that that can happen and um one of the tricky things is when you're, you're ministering uh, from the pulpit in a sense is what is deciphering what's um, for you and what's for God. And, and often in our devotions, we can often take, say, well, that'll make a great sermon and then we'll go and prepare it and we'll preach it. And it's not necessarily where the church is at. Does that make sense? So that's the whole point of the coin. We've been sharing um, pretty much over the last four or five months um, aspects of grace. 
aspects of our identity, aspects of who we are. And uh, so I've titled today's sermon, Two Sides of the One Coin. So that's just for you guys to think what I'm actually talking about today. I'll, I'll pull it up in a minute and we can talk about it. John chapter 14, verse 18 to 20 says, I want, This is in, in your Bibles, if you've got a paper Bible, it's in red writing. So this must be Jesus speaking. It says, John, uh, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's a good promise right there, isn't it? Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. A little bit further on in John 15 verse 4 to 5, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. So we see here that Jesus is talking about something. And in the context of the second verse, he's saying that he is the the supply, he's the vine, he's the thing that gives all of the nutrients to the branches to bear fruit. That's the analogy, the picture that he's kind of drawing. So over this sort of start of the year, we've been looking at certain topics, grace, identity, uh, knowing who we are and understanding the means by which we are forgiven and saved. Amen? So we've been looking at certain topics. Um, uh, topics that are important for us as we walk before God. Um, but we've been hearing things like just to sort of jog your memory, some, some pretty random things like uh, to repent. Repent is to return to the penthouse. It was a really good play on the whole word of pent, penthouse. To repent is to return, to be back in the position of uh, the kingdom that God wants us to be in. We've heard things, by grace you have been saved. Freely given, freely we receive. Um, I threw out there one thing once and I said, sin is no longer the issue in the case of salvation, which is all true, isn't it? If we're saved, sin's no longer the issue. If we actually focus upon sin, we're more than likely we're going to be attracted to sin. But if we focus on the grace and the goodness of God, we actually turn our back on the sin and that which stumbles us causes to it sort of subsides and fails and that sort of process of grace in a sense. Um, But what is being said in a nutshell is that we have been hearing uh, for some of the some of the old way that we might have used to say this, it's a righteousness message. Okay, Really what we've actually been looking at is the sense that we are righteous in Christ. We stand forgiven. We stand redeemed. We stand accepted not by our own works, but by the grace of God and what happened at the cross 2,000 years ago. So this righteousness message um, that we're saved by grace from our sin, past, present, and future that it's a completed work of the cross when jesus stood there and you will remember us saying this that uh, when he was nailed to the cross his final words were it is finished some translations would just say it it, just the words finished 
Jesus declared that the works of sin, the works of death, the works of the punishment of all those things, he declared in himself finished because he bore the fullness of the wrath of God. Isn't that what we've been hearing? Yep. So, um, but salvation is really a two-sided coin. If you've got a coin, have a little bit of a look at the coin for a moment. What's on that coin is usually a face. And then you actually see that sometimes there's a picture. If you've got a $2 coin, it's two faces. Um, there's other coins. They've got pictures of animals and things like that on it. Interesting to note, just a sideline, if you've got a $2 coin, uh, sorry, a $1 coin from the Solomons, it's practically the same as our $2 coin here in Australia. Isn't that right, guys? Pretty much the same size. I pulled some coins out of my pocket the other day and I went to give someone $2 and it was a Solomon $1 coin. Who knows, I would have been ripping them off. Yeah, so that the coin is now in my drawer. I should have used that for today, shouldn't I? But either way, fees blessed me with a dollar, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so there's this whole sense that salvation is actually a two-sided coin. And today I want to focus a little bit on, well, I kind of want to look at both sides of that coin, but I want to bring it to a point that we're going to, over the next month or so, while Pastor Rod and Jamie are off in, the, in Brazil, spend some time looking at the second side of this coin because it's really important. So the first side is the picture of salvation. It is the side that we are justified by faith. So if you look at that coin, you'll see the face. It's actually to see that it was, wasn't our face, it's the king's face or the queen's face in the case of Australia. But in the case of the kingdom, it's actually Jesus' face. It was paid for. It belongs to him. He did it. It's because of what he's done. It's being justified by faith through grace, which is the righteousness message. The other side of the coin is the truth, which we will look at a little bit. But when we look at the first side, it actually states our legal position before God. And that's what the whiteboard's for. I'm going to try and bring it down to a point where we can understand it from a picture so we know where we're actually at. Justified actually means that my slate is clean. It, it actually means that the simplest term, and you've heard us say it before, but if for sake of wearing it out, justified never sinned. It's, it's, it's this right standing of righteousness before God that says, I stand before God justified had never sinned, like pure, perfect, holy. But we know that that's not 100% true in the natural. Isn't that right? But So it has to be a legal statement. Like righteousness is a legal statement. Justified is a, is a, is a court term. It's a, it's a statement that, that aligns with the justice system. And uh, if heaven was a court of law and God was the judge that presided, then what would be going on? Jesus would say, well, this person's justified because of what I've done. Okay, so therefore he's declaring an innocence over our life, not by our works, by what, but by what he has done. The second side of the coin then is, is if one side is the righteousness message, if one side is this whole sense that we're justified by faith through grace, then the second side is actually the dynamics of the new creation. So, Jesus died not just so that you can be forgiven. He actually died so that you can be new. Which is why in John 14 and 15, he says, 
I in you and you in me. He talks about abiding in the vine so that the lifeblood of the vine can flow through the branches to produce fruit. Now, this concept is actually something that is really weird and was strange for the people of their time. The, the concept that Jesus or God himself would, would put himself into a human and then a human would be found in God it was just far out. It was weird. It, was, it, it not only blew the minds of the, the disciples, but the religious leaders of the day. They couldn't understand what Jesus was saying in this context. What, what do you mean, Jesus, I in you and you in me, just as I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Like, that's a lot of ins and eyes that's going on there. They just couldn't. They got the concept of sanctification, of atonement. They got the concept that by death, an animal had to die. And by the blood that was spilt, that covered the sin of the entire nation. They got that concept because they'd lived it for thousands of years. Before God, they were able to live this concept of every year we, we, we have an atoning sacrifice for the sins of, of the nation. We send out a scapegoat and we put our sins on there. But, and then daily and sometimes weekly, we would go through this whole cleansing thing and killing animals and all sorts of things because by blood we can find atonement. They, they got that concept because they lived the life. But Jesus was talking a completely different way when he said that God is in me and I am in God and I'm going to be in you and you're going to be in me. That's in a nutshell what he was saying, but they couldn't quite grasp what was going on. But you see, it wasn't until the Apostle Paul came along that this mystery became a revelation, that this mystery was enlightened to the people through the writings and the study of Paul. This was a, this was a, a revelation to the Apostle Paul through what he had done. God showed him and put a message in him. We find this in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 7 to 9, it actually says, In him. In who? In Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. And a, qu a good question came up the week before last at Young Adults, and what is the mystery? There's actually two mysteries Paul refers to throughout his writings. First mystery is that the Jew and the Gentile need to become one. That's the first mystery. We, we see that, that, that he, he pulled down the wall of separation, that, that um, being founded in him upon, based upon faith, the Jew and the Gentile can be seen as one person. All right? Not by works of the flesh, but because of Jesus and our faith in him. That's the first mystery. But the second mystery is this, what I'm talking about, that the, the revelation of God's will, that he wants to live in us and he wants us to live in him. Now, that's going to confuse anybody, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, whether you're whatever you are. That's actually a really confusing statement because our minds can't grasp that, which is why Paul really spends a lot of time opening this up.
So the righteousness message, two sides of our coin again. The righteousness message, the, the face of the coin being Jesus in our analogy, the righteousness message benefits us in a legal sense. When God looks at us and us and sees us hidden completely in Jesus. I'll say it again. God chooses to look at you hidden completely in Jesus. Let me draw that for you. If this is you, all right, if that's us, and I'll use red because Jesus' blood is red, yeah, this is, us, uh, this is Jesus. So you could actually see that you could cover all of that, but for the point of the, the drawing, we have this sense of us in Jesus, okay? So us in Christ. In a legal sense, what actually happens is God chooses to say, God's up here, all right? Because we can't actually draw God, so his spirit, so we'll put him up there. God chooses to look upon you being under the blood of Jesus. This is the righteousness message that God would, that when we come to Jesus, when we when we accept Jesus and what he did for us at the cross, when we say yes to Jesus, what you did was for me, and we personalize that to a point and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and my due punishment is to be put to death. But I believe that at the cross, you paid the price for my sin. And at the cross, a transformation happened. At the cross, something happened that... Upon you, you took the fullness of the sin of the world and the fullness of God's wrath was poured out and completely appeased at that moment. And I believe that that was the time my sin was paid for. When I say, Jesus, come and be my Lord, be the Lord of my life, I I die to myself and I want to live to you. That is the fullness of what he paid for being coming completely ours and the righteousness and holiness and worth that he is fully becomes us which is why he says you need to be hidden in him abide in me and i in you this is what it is to be completely abiding in jesus because if i didn't have jesus there if i was standing over here all on my lonesomes god would look at me and he would look completely and entirely at the very depravity of my sins because sin separates us from God. So he actually, in a sense, can't, can't accept us based on our own merit. So the only way he can accept me is to be hidden in the perfect work of his son. And then he looks upon me as a good father does, and he's proud of me, not because of the works I've done, but because of his son, Jesus, and what he's achieved in the cross. All right. Ephesians says that after he's done all this, he's gone and he sat at the right hand of the Father where he too has put us in Ephesians chapter 2. So God's looking at us not based upon our merit and our works. That's a good word. Because if he's looking at upon what I do, 
what I say, how I act, how I perform, then he's actually going to be seeing me clothed with filth. But he looks at me through Jesus and his complete work. Does that make sense? And I'm thankful that he does that. That's what we've been sharing in a nutshell over the last three or four months. This alone is the picture of grace. And this is why sometimes it's hard to comprehend. We are hidden in Christ. Does that make sense? Let me, let me throw what Scripture says at it. I shall say this. Hidden in Christ, we are able to be confident in the completed work of the cross. And Satan's attempt to condemn us have no hold and his fiery darts won't stick to Jesus. This is our legal standing. Second Corinthians actually says in 5.21, the first part of this, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. That's Jesus. That's what I said when Jesus was on the cross. He made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be a representation, to represent sin on our behalf. Continue, it says, So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. Does that make sense? Not in our own merit, but in him. So that's a freeing thing. If you're trying to appease God or if you're trying to do good in your life by your own works, then you're actually wasting time because you can't appease God in that way. You can't prove yourself to God And it's actually a wrong thinking to think that you can appease God anyway. Because that was already done at the cross. That was already done. The fullness of his wrath was poured out right there at Calvary. So the only place I'm going to find righteousness is here, hidden in Jesus. And that's what Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians 5.21. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The NIV and the King James and the New King James actually say in his sight, which is where this concept of how God sees us comes from. In his sight, what Paul's writing there is that he is able to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In his sight, God looks at you legally and says, you are above reproach. Isn't that good? If I'm trying to work at my salvation, then all of a sudden, I can't be seen as righteous because... I do things wrong all the time. In a sense, it is the picture of the robe of righteousness that is put upon the returning son and the, in the story of the prodigal son. Um, so we can now see that there's this analogy that Jesus is the righteous robe that we wear. This is an illegal sense. So not only does it give us a legal standing before God... Who knows the devil is the ultimate legalist? Who's the, one that can, who's the one that's on you all the time bringing condemnation? 
So this is actually really helpful because I'm going to use green for him just because I can. He's down here. He's like down here because he's right really under us. Right? He's down here and I can't even draw him because that'll just give you pictures you don't want. Um, and he's all the time casting. Oh, I, don't know, I might do them in red for you. Eh? Then it's fiery. He's throwing fiery darts at you. Those green ones are the ones that come with all the pollution on them. Um, he's throwing fiery darts at you. Right? He's actually saying, you're no good. You're worthless. How could you, how could you be sinning? How could you do that to someone that loves you so much? Uh, you filthy, wretched person. But on a legal state... By the way, he's the legalist. He's the one that tries to hold us accountable to the things that we can't do. He used the law better than anyone of us could. I tell you that right now. He's throwing darts at you, but can you see something? Those darts are shielded. They actually can't penetrate the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus. So if... You're being hammered by the devil and they're finding some form of hit on you. It's not about having to work your way out of that guilt. It's actually about repositioning yourself under the righteousness into the righteousness of Jesus. Okay? So, because when you are aware that Jesus and you are like that, and you are found legally in Jesus, and that God is pleased with Jesus, and therefore He's pleased with you, then here, they can't really hurt you. He then gets sick of working on you, and he goes to work on someone who's a little bit weaker in their understanding of their legal state in Christ. Because his whole attempt is to try and take you out so that you can't be a light into the world. All right? So if he could take you out, then you can't shine for Jesus. But if you're hidden in Christ and you find value in that, and, and the moment that you're tripped up in that or you, you take on board something that he said to you, it's not a matter of repenting. It's actually a re- in the sense that we say sorry. It's actually a, a matter of repentance to say, no, I am hidden in Christ and I'm going to return to that statement, that state that God has made available for me. And in doing so, you turn away from those words and you live righteously under God's view. Does that make sense? Like, they just can't really have penetration if we're founded in Him. Colossians 1.13. So this is sort of talking about not only is He our righteousness, but He's actually our defense, which is the second point of this whole point of righteous message. Colossians 1.13.14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So we're not out here in the domain of darkness where this guy can really hit us. We're actually in the kingdom of His Son where we, f- we find our defense. Romans 8.1. Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. True fact for those who are hidden in him. Make sense? Ephesians 2 lays all of this out in regards to being seated far above. And we went into this real conversation on Wednesday night. We're not going to go there. But 
in a legal sense, we're hidden in Christ and we're seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. Which, again, puts us far above this guy and gives us authority over him. Cool? Flip the coin. Flip the coin. This is where we're heading over the next month or so. We're going to flip this coin and we're going to talk about the other side of this drawing, which I said is the new creation message. In Ephesians 3, Paul changes course and begins to pr- uh, by praying. Well, he, he outlines a prayer at the end of Ephesians 3, and I want you to hear this prayer. He says in verse 14 of Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within who? Us. It says us. (laughs) According to the work and power within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I've underlined a couple of things. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. According to the power at work within us. So the whole new creation message, this whole concept has to actually do with our walk. If this concept has to do with our standing before God, our righteous place and our our standing over the devil and his wicked things that he wants to do in your life, then this part of the coin actually has to do with our walk. It is Christ who leads us from glory to glory. It is about the regeneration of our spirits. It's about new life, the indwelling of Holy Spirit, the the spirit of Jesus being fused with ours reviving us, empowering us to live as sons and daughters of God. Um, some of you that have been in the church for a long time might remember a name, Tony Smiths, used to come up here. He used to love this message, um, and it's really a core foundation of the CRC. It's a core foundation of our movement. But he says, regeneration has to do with the infusion of divine life we receive at salvation, which we also call the born-again experience. New life is imparted at regeneration. Man who has never had a personal encounter with God is known as an unregenerate. That is, he is dead in his sins and he does not know divine life. He needs to know the quickening life of the Holy Spirit. Christ in us is about bringing life transformation from the inside out. As we continue to walk with Christ, our new life will continue to grow, expand, and increase. This empowers us to live victoriously, overcoming the sins we may commit 
and causing us to bear fruit. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 4.4 Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Didn't I say at the start, John was saying, I in my Father, my Father in me, you in me and I in you, was Jesus' words. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Colossians 1.27 To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This, if this is our legal state, I left myself a little bit of room. This is true of the church, and this is true of you individually. Not only are we founded in Christ, but as a literal state, we now walk with Christ in us. This is practical. This is Christ transforming us from the inside out. This is reality. Because Christ's whole purpose in us is to transform us to be more like him. Christ needs to get out of us. And to do so, he needs to transform the way we think, as Graham said in communion. To do so, he needs to change our lives to live righteous and holy, not just as a legal state, which is what grace actually is, but as a literal state that our lives become more like the one who died for us, that our lives actually become more holy, more innocent, in a standing that becomes more like Jesus in a sense that what Jesus did, I do. And that's the ever-increasing journey that you and I as individuals are on and as we are on as a local body, the church. The second side of the coin is how others view us. Whether they are non-Christian or Christian, it doesn't matter. It's how I view you, it's how you view me. If I stood up here and I, I wasn't living a life that, that was ultimately trying, in a sense, I'm not even using the word trying, living in a state that was holy, then you would judge me as saying, this guy's an unrighteous git and you shouldn't listen to him. Is that right? My legal standing before God is I'm righteous and that is grace. But my literal state before others as a witness is this Jesus in me and he empowering me to be more like him. Which is why I need to sometimes come and say sorry to people why you've got to go and say sorry to people because we mess it up all the time but 
by saying sorry, we're becoming more like Jesus. If we hang on to it and we say, hey, it doesn't matter that I don't care, they made me bitter anyway, what happens is we get this bitter root and it squashes the witness of God in our life. So it's how others see us. It's about my righteous standing within this world. It's about living as light in our community. And it's about revealing the love of the kingdom of God to those around us. There are scriptures that relate to this, that we try and bring to this. And there are scriptures that are relating to this, that we try and bring to this. Try and bring Galatians 2.20 to this. Do you want me to read that again? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's talking about our witness to others. It's talking about our flesh. If I try and bring flesh to God, he doesn't see me this way. He sees me covered in filthy rags. It doesn't work. It doesn't compute. It's not about my righteous works before God. It's about grace and finding ourselves hidden in Him. So we we often get this mixed up because we don't realize salvation is a double-sided coin. And we often talk about grace and saying, but if you, you keep saying grace, you keep saying grace, people are not going to, they're not going to live and they're, they're going to, they're going to live licentiously and they're going to do the wrong things. No, because if you teach grace right, the other side of the coin is Jesus working through that person actually means that they're changing and transforming into the likeness of Jesus, a stronger representative of who he is. So the message is grace and always will be grace, but it's grace outworking from the outside in so that God can see us and help us. And it's grace working from the inside out that's transforming us so we can be a witness in the world. Does that make sense? That is the two sides of our coin. And as we walk out our salvation, or in the Bible as it terms it, we work out our salvation, it's actually not about working to the point that we run ourselves into the ground. It's working out of the truth that Christ is the life within us. And if we abide in Him, He will abide in us. And he will transform us from the inside out and we will live righteously, not only on a legal state before God, but righteously and will be a great witness to our community. And this is what's happening as Life Source Church gets a, gets a, a foothold into its community. Because we understand this grace message, the just from this way out, but we need to really grasp this one because God wants to work through you. He limits himself to work through human beings to transform other human beings to live out this life. He's limited himself to you. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a good person to be limited by. Right? Think about that. He's chosen to limit himself in you. God could turn up in a moment, blow the minds of our entire community, but really all that is is about getting puppets. He's chosen to do this so that we can walk out and be a participator, someone who partners with him in bringing kingdom here on earth now. That's the whole point of why he's doing what he's doing. 
That's why when we say to you, go out and share the gospel, what we're actually saying is go out and allow Christ outside of you. Jesus is trying to get out. There's three circles I could draw, but I'm not going to. Jesus wants to get out of you. He actually wants to expand in you. The more Jesus expands in you, the more Jesus will be a light. You will be a light to the world. The more light comes out of you. This is the message of our journey and our righteousness with God. Our journey and our legal standing. We are righteous. We are redeemed. We are the fullness of Christ to God. But as a witness to the world, we need Jesus in us, who is what? The hope of glory. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what confused the disciples. That's what Paul grasps, the second mystery. And today I hope that something speaks to you in the sense that God wants to use you in a powerful and mighty way. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory and honor and we give you praise. The reality of our legal standing that we are accepted by grace and grace alone is so true. We can, we can stand in your presence. We can enter your presence at any moment because we are seated with you in heavenly places.